0: You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school.
1: Maybe a diagram will help.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Salty Sex Cast. Um, This is episode 28. Woo-woo! So, Pamela, what'd you say?
3: I said, this is Pamela.
2: I know. (laughs) Hi. That's Mariah. Um, How's your week been?
3: Um, My week's been good. Good. Yeah, really good.
2: Good. I have a funny story that I'm going to hurry and quickly jump to because, you know, it's what we like to do at the beginning, right?
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, Abby, our girlfriend um was over and she typically sleeps in the middle of the bed but I was like I kind of want the middle I was like I'll wrap paper scissor you for it and she was like yeah I'll scissor you for it so it was <laughs> really funny anyway it was her super clever
3: that's great Did but, she
2: win? yeah I know I was like okay you won like <laughs> yeah. I can't even compete with that
3: right. so you, you anyway
2: oh excuse me one moment please <laughs> closer go up to her
3: please Okay, thank you. Hmm. Okay. Well, we have a very special guest this week. Um, I'd like to introduce Madison Can-Can. They are a um, burlesque performer, a clown performer, and um, they also have a master's in education about, around sexual health. And so we are gonna talk a lot about that today. Say hello, Madison. Oh, hello, hello. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to clarify real fast. I
1: don't have a masters in sexual health. I have a masters in education with uh, an emphasis in performance art for social change, which was based in gender and human sexuality. So, it gets confusing. And I when I often tell people I'm like, "Yes, my degree was all around nudity, sexuality, gender exploration, performance they, they uh, lump it into that. And it's more accurate than not, but I have to clarify for the general public, <laughs> not a master's in sexual health, master's in education, emphasizing sexual health.
2: Wonderful. <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much for being here. Um, so starting off, what um, got you started with what you do? Is that a big question?
1: (laughs) But you know, there's been a lot of rewinding this week. A lot of um, people, you know, how Instagram everyone shares things and they'll tag you from something you forgot about years and years ago. A lot of my photographer friends are like, Madison, and I'm a baby. You know, like I look at myself however many years ago, five to eight years ago, and I'm like, wow, you know, before this whole degree, before this whole journey, before traveling and performing all across the US and out of the US too. It's just, I've changed a lot. So when I look at the beginning of my career to now, like I rewinding has been a huge uh, theme for the week. So thanks for asking that question. What got me into it initially was a literature class. Actually, I was sitting next to a boy and he was extremely annoying and I I didn't want anything to do with him. His name was Adam and i was like look i'm here to study literature i'm here to like do the thing get the goddamn degree like i'm here to do the thing cuz my undergrad was in english education and he wouldn't leave me alone and what he got me with to talk to him he was like my mother teaches belly dance and that was like oh so i got to know his mom his mother worked on a trade basis she wouldn't take any money from me so i would bake her bread give her gifts and she would do this beautiful exchange of art, food, paflas dance, the gift of this uh, movement that really is centered around female power, which is pretty cool, because a lot of people think belly dance is for men. when initially, belly dance was for women devised by women to help with a myriad of things: menstrual cramps, pregnancy, uh, birth. That's why all of this, like body movement centered around the core right so that was what got me into this into this sexual body that I had been ignoring for so long and it literally woke me up I was like whoa whoa what is the uh what's going on you know with my hips or what's going on with what what am I feeling at the very base level what am I what am I feeling and that's what opened me up to not only dance, but the body and how I had been ignoring my body for so long, most of my life due to my upbringing and how the journey started from there. Like what am, what have I been missing and what more is there?
3: Amazing. So, so tell us a little bit about your background. So you went from belly dance to burlesque. Is that, is that a big shift? Or was that an easy transition? It wasn't. Um, Because of the nature of belly dance getting me in touch with my
1: body, it was actually a belly dance teacher that was uh, instructing in burlesque here in the city. And I had no idea that what I had been doing within the belly dance world was actually burlesque. So what I would do is I would have these motifs or these montages that would uh, incorporate theater and story in belly dance. And What happened when I started to do my own thing in belly dance instead of work with troops or work like, you know, in trios or duos, and I really started to like focus on my own thing, was, oh, I am a storyteller. And these, like, all of my theater training that I had, teaching theater youth, playing around with these concepts of storytelling came through the dance. And that's wherein I realized what I was actually doing was burlesque. But even if you look at the costuming between belly dance and burlesque, they're very similar. The Mm. pattern, the sparkles, the bras, and this is belly dance as a cabaret style more than, you know, Egyptian or, well, even Egyptian has a lot of sparkle, but more traditional styles, um, they have a different look. But when I'm talking about cabaret and these more modern styles of belly dance, they really are more aligned with burlesque than a lot of people realize, especially if they haven't studied both art forms. So I took it from the belly dance world, realized that I had been storytelling this whole time and just pushed it farther. And the burlesque world really wasn't uh, here in Salt Lake City. It wasn't. And it was one of those perfect timing moments where I had studied enough. My belly dance mentor was moving back to Florida she was a new yorker and she wanted to retire to florida so who am i to say no (laughs) i missed her and she moved to uh, florida and when she moved that kind of transitioned me to burlesque and within two years the prohibition opened and this is me right realizing that this was an opportunity and knowing that there wasn't a home venue for burlesque in salt lake city we were constantly fighting for venues like look we know. We're naked ladies. We get it. It's terrifying. Your certificates, alcohol and tits don't mix in Utah. We get that. we really keep them covered, right? We're very clever. We know our laws. I know we're naked ladies, but we're very smart. And I'm just really grateful that some of the venues were open to us. Like Area 51 let us do a couple of shows. The Utah Arts Alliance would give us spaces to do shows. And then, of course, like shitty biker dive bars, like Barbary Coast. was like, oh, yeah 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 fine whatever you want to do whatever you want to do ladies um and those kinds of things were one-offs right not very common at all and then when the prohibition opened that was our door and i remember walking in there and i had uh my burly mama like you know not literally whispering in my ear but i was channeling her i was like okay trying to be like this sprawling beauty right now okay here we go and i walked in there you know boobs out, and I was in this nice red dress, and I was done, and I was like, you need burlesque here. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I was a fucking baby. I was a fucking idiot, too. Like, <laughs> the first show that was on that floor was a shit show. It was not good. I was not nearly trained as I needed to be, but it was the gateway, right, the door, and I had to take it. I i couldn't see that floor, see those curtains, and know like what they were doing in that space and not try. So as embarrassing as it was looking back on my baby self, I was like, yeah, you had some serious tits, girl. You, you go, you go. (laughs) Uh, That's that's how it began. And burlesque and clowning came together um, mostly by accident. But if you look historically, it makes perfect sense because burlesque is, comedy it revolves around parody and satire and burla literally means to joke in italian i so, did not know that yeah they've always been like this so burlesque certainly has like this they're very classy bent to it of course but fruits are in comedy satire saturday night live stole everything from the burlesque and vaudeville halls everything <laughs>
3: so cool yeah
2: um so with your character work and your gender identity how has that kind of flowed and ebbed into who you are now it's another big long question
1: (laughs) so it's actually again it goes back to who like it's very bizarre i'm still I'm still tracking my identity as it's evolving. And it's never static. It never stays in one place. It's not like, okay, you are you identify as this, and this is what you're going to be for the rest of your life. It's, I'm constantly learning, which is why identifying as a non-binary person has been extremely freeing. Because initially I was just like, I'm gay. I am a lesbian, a lesbian woman. That is who I am. And I don't want to tell anyone. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was young. I was so young um, when I realized I was gay that I was, like, so deep in the closet, still trying to be Mormon, still trying to figure out how to protect myself. My girlfriend was Baptist. A Baptist and a Mormon, it's like the perfect porno. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was a nightmare. We were in Bountiful, Utah. We I was also- Utah. Oh, oh. And it was like i couldn't do anything about it you know i just knew i loved this woman and i knew that it was a complete accident i never had like growing up i i never really understood attraction specifically towards men i was constantly confused constantly i was like all right so yet you, you 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 date one person and <laughs> Fuck one person, and you do that forever. (laughs) Why? I don't understand. And what ended up happening is I became really like aware of relationships in a sense that were completely non-sexual. So, fell in love with a woman, but because I was so scared, I had a lot of beards, right? And if. Nobody knows what a beard is. It's basically somebody you date, so you appear straight. Some beards are aware that they're beards. My beards, were not aware. Clueless. (laughs) When the cat, right, was let out of the bag, and my girlfriend was like, hey, I'm gay. I'm gay. Um, And then it came around to me, and then my beards literally came to my door. These men that I had dated that I had loved, right, but not been sexual with. I wouldn't hold their hand, I wouldn't kiss them, and they always wondered why. And I was like, I just, I played the Mormon card, not the gay card. I was like, well, I'm Mormon, you know? Like, I'm <laughs> into temptation. So, you know, I played that game, like I was a sweet religious, devout, you know? And what happened was they were so confused, but what I realized is that I could have these deep, intimate connections and relationships without any sex involved. Yeah. I didn't want that with men. I didn't want penetration. Penetration terrified me. I was like, I just, (gasps) (sighs) like it literally scared me so bad. I couldn't wrap my mind around how, how like you even engaged sexually with a man. And, I have, you know, now like the majority of my partners have been men, you know, but there's also been partners that are asexual. I've had a couple of asexual partners. And what happens with that is I'm like, I remember what this is like because of my experience with beards. I can be with you and I can be sexual with this person, but don't have to be sexual with you. There's a lot of pressure um, on dudes and being more intense.
2: can use some backups because yeah, lately with this quarantine bullshit like, I'm
1: over it
0: <laughs> yeah I don't uh, I don't know what happened to my internet it just completely shut off for no reason so
3: it's okay, okay. we still That's love you that is in finisher um, there sorry um, thought <laughs> yeah so I'll back up just a little bit but um so
1: when I started falling into drag deeper it connected me back to the body and how it's interpreted and how easy it is to be a man or a woman. Mm. Like and not like easy socially, right? We're not talking about socially. I'm just talking about basic physical, visual interpretation, right? Like I see you as a man, I see you as a woman and that will make you have an interaction with me that is completely different and it's crazy it's crazy oh there he goes again (laughs) he'll be back i'm still here i just
0: i just i muted my video in hopes of making the internet faster
1: oh okay okay um but that the the gender thing within performance when i realized that i had that capacity i rewound again speaking of rewinding speaking going back to the beginning and monitoring my relationships, specifically sexual relationships and friendships and beards and my ability to have non-sexual relationships with men that were so deep and intimate without any penetration whatsoever. And then now every man that I date, the only men that can be and exist in my sphere right now are queer. If they're, if they're straight, they literally don't know what to do with me and it's one of these things where it's like like i really like yeah like you got tits and i like you but there's something going on that's not completely straight
2: you're you're not the square that they can define
1: not at all and it confuses them and yeah. i have to tell them i'm like okay imagine Imagine that you had a bro, right, like your best friend, like, oh, but he had tits and a vulva, and you could (laughs) fucking, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and play pool, and shit, and all the stupid things that men laugh at, and tease, tease me. You can, like, give me shit and I'll throw it back in your face. I grew up with brothers, okay? Like, as far as the, like, male banter, like, sense of humor, fucking whatever men do, I can do it. I've done it my whole life. And it just, it confuses them. So I'm like, just imagine that I'm a bro with boobs. <laughs> if you want to fuck me, we can talk about it. If you don't, don't worry about it. But if you want that, just ask me and we'll see where we're at. a lot of them can't they're like i just i just i i don't even know I don't even know what to do with you like that's okay
2: how uh, do you feel like sorry i don't mean to interrupt your story at all finish
1: i was just saying like and that's what's really funny right now is in the dating scene and in my romantic life all the men have to be clear they just have to be clear
2: as i was gonna say have you um maybe gone back in like some of those interactions or beards or anything and have any type of friendship or relationship and said, Hey, now that you know other things and scope of life has changed and other experiences, like, did you feel like you had that profound? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I can't think again. Um, I don't want to say interaction. Not imprint, something, something. Just an effect that someone has on you to help you, like eyes open a little bit better. I'm sorry, I did such a shitty job explaining that.
1: No, I'm I'm going to try to clarify for my for myself so I can answer with you. Is it, are you asking like have, have my beards who I still interact with and still talk to? In fact, I have a very good relationship with most. Just say it is. I like have they had their eyes opened sense, knowing that I'm this or 15. like, is it like they have an eye opening or have I had an eye opening towards my
2: Have Like they learned something new, you know, that isn't just this black and white kind of, and a positive experience instead of more of like a retreat. And I don't, I can't define this. I'm going to run away. Kind of more like, you know, I see life in a different way now. And like, I appreciate that.
3: Like yeah. an epiphany. Thank
1: yeah. You. Yes, it takes time though. It's not immediate, you know. Like especially yeah. high school, which mm-hmm. I interact with. You know, like I'm. It's one of those things where it's like, it, it, <laughs> yeah. They 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 have these moments of like, oh, aha, you know. But not all of them. You know, I can interact with them and I can be their friends, but not all of them like completely understand. You know, like they they have like they have like these moments of like, Oh, like I'm a little bit gay, you know? And some of them are okay with that. Some of them are like, Oh yeah, I already knew that. And some of them are like, that's fine that you're that way. And I I can see, I can see you now, but I'm not, I'm not really okay with having that much of a mirror towards my inner self, you know, specifically around like the nature of, again, me and and penetration, whatever it is, like just going to get raw and real, you know, like plenty of men want me to penetrate them these days and I'm about it. Like, this is what I'm sought after for. This is like what my relationships are based around is this nature of equality. And I keep having these conversations with people. I'm like, there is like no greater way to understand the vulva than allowing yourself to be penetrated. And it's not only just a sexual thing, like, it's a physical health thing. I read a lot of books on anal. Yes, I do. (laughs) Very seriously, you know, like, it's this, this study, and I take notes, and I, like, do self-study, and then with my partners, I'm, like, okay, like, let's figure out what this is all about, and how this can, like, help your mental, emotional, physical health, like, why do you want this psychologically? Like, how do we not only like disconnect it from the gay taboo, but figure out why the gay taboo is even a problem in the first place.
3: You know, know, both of my straight partners have wanted me to to penetrate them. And um, when I like, after I I gave them that experience, they became so much better at giving anal sex. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Just like the understanding the anatomy and how it all feels and, and all of that. It's, 10 times more enjoyable
1: now totally because it's something that they it's the equality again right that nature of understanding what it's like to be in a physical body and have your physical body invaded yeah whether it's like an invitation or not like what does that actually feel like to be inside another person and the the mental connection to that for a lot of men, you know, like they, they're terrified. And I think that's why the gay taboo is still perpetuated so much is it's because it's like fear-based and gay-based and I'm not gay and like that, that. I'm not against gays. I'm just not gay. It's like, this has nothing to do with you being gay. This is about a leveling and an understanding on a physical level that you really can't get any other way. It's kind of like tripping together. Right. Like you have these stories of people tripping together. And if you've never tripped, you literally can't understand it. You're like. And I will be like an anal preacher till the day I die, because once men experience it, not only do they want more generally, but it opens them up here. And they're like, wow. And there have been moments for me as as a non-binary person, and this is bizarre, I'm getting to the bizarre, sorry, just going to do it, this is a sex podcast, where, wherein I'm speaking with trans men, specifically, right, I have a lot of trans friends, and we have these discussions where I'm like, okay, all right, like, I don't, like, I don't have a penis, Um, but what is, what is this thing that happens when I'm with a man, and all of a sudden, like, he knows, and I know, that I'm penetrating him, even though he's inside me. And they look at me and they're like, yeah, yep. Know what that feels like. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Like you don't have to have a strap on to penetrate somebody. And they're like, nope. I'm like, "Ha!" like, and initially I thought I was insane. And until I saw like the reflection in my partner's eyes where they're like, what are you doing to me? I'm like, nothing. I'm just, I'm just writing you. That's all." I'm doing. What am I doing to you? And then having these discussions with trans people, wherein it's an energetic penetration, right? An energetic experience of masculinity and what that, and like for me being both sides have being interpreted as man on stage, having people literally not understand that I don't have a real dick having to ask me whether or not my tits are like biological or medical, you know, it's, Bizarre to understand that, like, my male partners not only feel this, but then want to seek me out as the masculine party in a sexual experience wherein they take on the more feminine role. And I say this because I don't, it's all complicated. Men can take it, women can take it, men can give, women can give, right? And the body is so amorphous when it comes to sexual spaces, it's crazy. So, the gender thing has exploded and evolved and i'm just kind of like following along whatever whatever the universe gives me you know i'm not here to argue with like someone interprets me as a man i'm not here to be like whoa whoa i am not a man instead of coming at it from a defensive position i come to it and reflect in a sense of curiosity which i'm really grateful that i have that not everyone has like an innate curiosity that makes them open to those kinds of things a lot of people will automatically shut down. I'm not gay. I'm not a man. I don't have a dick. Like, you know, all of these things. And I'm just like, Oh, all right. You see me as a man. Let's talk about that. What makes you think that? Oh, you felt, you felt like I was penetrating you. What does that, what does that feel like for you as a masculine body? Why are you afraid of me now? Why don't you want to fuck me now? Why are you crying? Like, what is going on within you that's not that cannot just be explained by the physical realm and that's gender as well yeah
3: so um you you talked a little bit before we started recording um about your experience growing up and kind your lack of vocabulary and understanding about all of these things and how that had an influence on, or, or your discovery of all of these things, how that had an influence on um, your, your understanding, your identity, um, your ability to communicate about all of this. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that in um, relation to your, your degree in education? And, and the importance of those elements of education, especially here in Utah. Oh my God,
1: you just gave me everything. <laughs> um, right. I was the eldest sister, and I had two younger brothers, and I was Mormon, you know, like the majority of us here in the state. And I just remember not literally not understanding my body, not understanding it whatsoever um and you know a lot of people will say it's dissociative right like you're not you're kind of up here and that's where I existed for most of my life was in a mental sphere I was super creative but you know when the maturity classes came around in elementary school my parents divorced so my dad was far away my mom was working two jobs I never went to a maturation class to this day never did and I think whatever like Whatever God, whatever angels, whatever we call it up there in the universe that just let me kind of like, you know, slide under the radar because I wasn't imbued with what this is, you know, separating the boys and the girls. This is what happens to a girl. This is what happens to a boy. So I just had to experience it in a body I wasn't connected to and witness it, like witness the girls in my class and witness the boys in my class. And it wasn't like I was hanging out with dudes. I had very few friends and they were mostly female, but you know, like when girls started their periods, I literally didn't know what that was because I had never, I never, I had never been taught. So when they're like, you know, periods, I, it was this concept. I, I couldn't understand. I didn't even know when I started my period, I didn't know what it was and I thought I was dying. And I kept it to myself and I didn't tell my mother cause I didn't have a very like strong communication system with my mother, you know, and she worked so much. There was no time to talk to her. I thought I was dying for four days when I first started my period. And I was just like, it's fine. I'm dying. I'm dying. And I didn't know what pads were. I didn't know what tampons were. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that you bled when that, that was part of it. And it wasn't a particularly traumatic experience as much as it was a like, oh, why? why, why, like, why, why? And they're like, so you can have babies. I'm like, that d- literally doesn't make sense. I literally, I biologically science, whatever it, I literally did not compute in my brain. And then um, neither did bras. I never, I l- could not interpret my body as a sexual thing. And I was—it was it's bizarre, right? I was overly logical. I was like, "Okay, get it. I get it." But I don't under—I don't understand. And then once I realized that, like, sex was penis and vagina, I was like, "It was just all confusion." Like, not computing. It was like if you're—if you're, if you're like—if you're like, you know, like. <laughs> When I taught taught art, it was like, okay, blue and yellow make green. And kids were like, no, no, what? No, that green is just green. That was me, right? Like penis, vagina, baby. I was like, no, no, a baby is just dropped off by a crane. Like, that that doesn't compute. (laughs) It does not make sense. And so as I got older... I actually started to, like, the only way I could cope with my intense lack of connection to sexuality, intense lack of connection to my own body, not understanding why I had to wear bras, not understanding why I had to have a period, not understanding why my brothers didn't have to deal with this, not really having a mother figure to guide me through that, I just, not really having a lot of female friends to guide me through that either, because they'd go off on boys, and I'd be like, I'm, like, chilling with my yo-yo, hey, (laughs) Like this yo-yo, this is a great yo-yo and ice cream. Like, (laughs) yeah, I don't get why you're into boys. Like, and it was actually like in junior high when I like had this best friend. Right. And I was just like, oh man, I just always want to hang out with my best friend. I just want to draw with her. I just want to have every like weekend with her. I just want to eat cookie dough with her. I just want to like, oh, (laughs) you, you love her like that but that took another what another four years to realize that I was actually attracted to my best friend not just as a friend but as as a love interest and so how old were you at that point hmm? how old were you at that point I the first time I had like an attraction towards uh anybody I was 14 of any kind that I and I didn't even recognize it as attraction you know Um, but that was, that was the first time and boys were just bros and I always wanted to be like the class clown and all the class clowns were boys, boys. like ladies, girls literally couldn't be a class clown. Like I never saw people like interact with girls as if they were funny, you know, or if they were funny, they were usually made fun of for like being stupid, not clever, not naughty, not like, like, not like these like quick remarks to the teacher or being like mischievous, you know, like that was always like, oh, she's really dumb. So we'll laugh at her because she's dumb, not because she has some sort of like, you know, like with class clowns as boys, they do, they, oh, that boys will be boys kind of mentality. And girls like were only laughed at when they were stupid. And this is kind of like, I always wanted to be on the boy's side where I'm like, all right, like I can be quick witted. I can say like, like things. And I always wanted, so with boys, I wanted to be them. I wanted to hang out with them. I, so I like started to like play Yu-Gi-Oh!, you know, like the card game. I can, but that was like where I got my masculine fulfilled, right? So like in junior high, 14, when I started falling in love with this girl, I also started just hanging out with boys all the time. She was my best friend, but I hung out with boys. Playing card games. And then we switched from Yu-Gi-Oh to poker. <laughs> oh, I won all the stickers. <laughs> oh. And then, uh, and then the, what, hap- what happened and what helped me like, deal with my sexuality was like, as I got older, I started to write about it. And in college, I wrote a play about like the nature of Utah sex education, right? And I wrote a boy character was me right before I was non-binary before I understood any of this about myself I wrote myself as a boy going through a maturation class that I never experienced (laughs) in a play and it got read in at the end of the semester by all of these actors in the ATP program the actor training program and people were laughing so hard so hard during my play and I remember those moments of like comedy and of like being validated in the confusion and being validated in the like just hilarity, the ridiculous like nature of sexuality is just like a concept. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is my work. This is where it's at. Not only am I a class clown, not only am I smart, not only are people validating me, laughing at me, seeing me as intelligent, but it's working. It's working. And I can play in this world for the rest of my life. And that was like the first moment I was like, there's something to this. I'm not the only one missing like pieces of understanding. I'm not the only one who feels confused. I'm not the only one who sees masculine and feminine as these concepts that are completely constructed and hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> so that play changed my life.
3: Tell me about all of the holes that you see in the sexual education system here in Utah.
1: Many. Um, I feel like, whew, I feel like there's not a lot of honesty, honestly. And that's not honesty, honestly. That's that's not the teacher's fault necessarily. It's almost like there's a gag order, right? Specifically on health teachers. There's a lot of fear um, in the nature of like, discussion around sexuality period and it's not just like it's not just the physical like we can get into biology we can get into physicality but this is antiquated this is like using textbooks from the 70s which is still common practice in america right this is the way that we approach sexual education is is equivalent to having a diagnosis on a computer and pushing buttons in order to get it to behave the way you want it to behave. Turn it off, turn it back on. Oh, if you type A, A will show up on the screen. If you do control alt delete, it'll erase this thing. We treat sexual education as if it's a program of specific things that you input and then you'll have an output. Humans do not work like that. So if you're giving them information, they are not processing all of the pieces of that information. It's not like condom, banana, fuck, don't have babies. There's a whole entire spectrum of attraction, understanding gender, um, the the, the like the whole entire process of orgasm that's ignored, and the fact, and that's it's cruelty honestly if we believe that if we tell people oh yeah if you just prepare these things and do these things you'll be safe no not to mention stis stds and like concepts of relationship outside of the binary or marriage norm right or polyamory for christ's sake or how do you go about discussing um queer attraction with your girlfriend, if you're a guy, or how do you go about discussing your desires for certain, um, elements within your sexual relationship or kinks, all of these things exist within a young adult sphere. When you talk to people about their kinks, when you talk to people or, you know, participate with people in their kinks, often they'll trace them way back No, 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 this is not, this didn't develop when I was 40. I've always had this. I've always felt this. I've never been able to talk about it. It's not just like, one day I am 35 and I all of a sudden really like feet. No, this like, (laughs) you train it, you ask them these questions and even their processing is like, no, this has been in me a long time and I don't know why I have it. I don't know why I want it. I don't know. I just know that it's there and it's been there for a long time. So we're missing gender, orgasm, kinks, relationship dynamics that are outside of marriage, like critical, critical pieces of like human connection, interaction and sex. Like it's not just, it cannot just be, biological plugging in button computer. It's, it cannot be that. And the only way that we're gonna get around that is if we can be radically vulnerable and just understand that like, if, if the education kids are getting is only in a public school, you have to cover way way more or you're going to have a crisis like we have right now where kids literally don't know that they're carrying you know chlamydia and gonorrhea like the things that are exploding in utah specifically because they don't understand that like oh no no it's safe because she's on birth control so i can i can fuck around because i'm just i just don't want to have babies and yeah. you mentioned something too because not only are you fucking around you're not telling your female partner that you're fucking around
2: because yeah.
1: you can have those desires and maybe you don't you know you can have those desires but if that's not what she wants you can't do it if she's open to it you can have a discussion these are your rights as a human being they don't know
2: yeah let was. i you you really um said it well when you said they they really push for the safety aspect of like your physical safety on like you know, let, try to protect you from gonorrhea or whatever. What about the mental safety and all of that that you get? Yeah. If you don't have a definition of um, who you are, if you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, if you don't know how, what your rights are, and we've had several episodes, that's a theme that comes up so often because you have adults who never learned that and massive catalysts of what created this podcast massive reason of why we have it
3: what kind of reform would you like to see that is in like like either within or without or outside of the the educational so like the school system
2: because you write curriculum correct I mean you part yeah. of your master's in education is curriculum which I'm very familiar with
1: actually Say that one again. more time curriculum design and instruction
2: there you go <laughs>
1: So they let me put that on my degree. They're like, you can put that on your degree, but you can't put burlesque in sexuality, human sexuality. I'm like, all right, curriculum design and instruction it is, I guess, but it actually does a lot for me, right? Like the ability to write and organize information in a way that's accessible and like covers covers all of the topics, not just some of the topics and my ability to see those holes and be like, this is... (laughs) <laughs> this is like you don't even have a chapter on orgasm. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, <laughs> geez, oh. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think I I do not believe that the. Not I'm not trying to be like a. I left the public school system for a reason, because I continually ran into walls wherein I could not enact the change I wanted to enact. Um, And so my livelihood was threatened constantly. My ability to pay my bills was threatened constantly. And to live in a constant state of fear is detrimental to any kind of like, you know, bolstering of my purpose. I was constantly just like, oh, well if I do this, then these are the logical things that are going to happen because of the system I'm in. And I will be fired, and not only will I be fired, then I'll be out of a job, and then like not be able to afford my house. So that's why I started stripping. You know, and it was like I was like a superhero, right? And when I worked at a Blue Boutique for for a little while, I actually loved that job. When I worked at the sex shop, I was like, when they asked me like about why I would be a good fit there, I'm like, well, I am a elementary school art teacher by day and a stripper by night. I am a superhero. I. <laughs> them they laughed and they were like you're hired I'm like okay good <laughs> like, <laughs> I would only work in a sex shop but I meant it you know um so I don't think that the kind of change I want to see is going to be able to be enacted in the public school system I truly don't I feel like what is going to happen is and what is already happening actually is uh, teenagers are looking for information online, mentors online. They're looking for real accurate information and they're finding it because they, they have the desire to know, whether or not it's safe or not is yet to be seen because it's not monitored. Right. And there's still, I mean, you're dealing with hormones. You're dealing with things that are wild, wild. And they, you know, we can, be there as much as we want but they're going to do what they're going to do regardless and it's just i don't i don't have the answer but i do not think that we can get where we want to be in the public school system i think we're going to have to have parents become more involved and of course we know what teenagers are going to do when parents want to become more involved in their sex life they're going to be like but there also has to be like i would love to see college students right, because there's been this huge, like, like, upsurge in, like, sexuality groups, um, classes, collectives on college campuses, right, just to disperse this information to college students coming in from high school. I would like to see more outreach from these kinds of people, like, getting into college, studying human sexuality, studying orgasm, studying what's going on, having that information, being peers more than, like, parents or, like, teachers going into the high schools and having a relationship with high schoolers wherein they can be like, hey, we're going to have a group discussion on orgasm. Hey, we're going to have a group discussion on STIs, STDs, and what you can do to protect yourself. And like, hey, these are your sexual rights, and you don't have to have your parents involved, and you don't have to have your teachers involved. You can have a mentor who's more on your level And not like a threatening presence and not somebody who you look up at and and are like, you're going to shame me, you're going to get me in trouble. I feel like it's getting better, but I feel like that's the only way is if we have more peer to peer mentorship, specifically within college to high school, that really critical um, moment of like self-expression, freedom, autonomy. These circles and these support groups and these collectives of young people exploring their sexuality with tools I never fucking had. God, I'm a dinosaur compared to these kids. Like, They're going to be the ones that are going to continue to create the social change because I know that plenty of high schoolers are sitting in their public health classes going like, this is bullshit. I'm already fucking my girlfriend and have two other girlfriends on the side and maybe a baby on the way. Who knows, you know, like it's a mess. And even like me being as like aware as I am, there's certain things that I'm learning every day where I'm like, Oh, is that why that didn't work? And you know who I learn it from? Like the most, the best information, I learn it from my sex worker friends.
3: <laughs> the, biggest,
1: the smartest, the, the, like the most critical to this kind of work, the most critical to this kind of evolution. They're the ones that will be giving this information to people and be the most accurate because they'd have the most sex like mind blown why would you like hire someone to teach sexuality if all they've ever had was experience or like from a book right it's like all right we're going to uh learn about dance from somebody who's only read about it but has never actually danced <laughs> and that's where in like the taboo against sex workers is so detrimental to progress as well because sex workers they're not they're not desperate they're not stupid and they can help and they want to help what what they don't want and this is me too right i'm under this umbrella what i say they because it's still so scary to be open about being a sex worker what we want is to be understood as a critical part of society that is intelligent that is working for political and social change and that can affect real change if you stop threatening our safety not you guys but you know the, the you of the yeah
3: would never do that.
1: <laughs> you guys would never do that, that makes sense. <laughs> there's a lot of social structures still in place wherein sex workers feel like they have to hide and can't actually do what they want to do which could create this beautiful um, new world of sexuality, expression, learning growth, particularly for youth, but we're threatened.
3: So um, are there any websites out there currently that are reliable, they have reliable information about sex, um, but they're also made to be appealing to young
1: people mm, that's a good question I don't know honestly I haven't gone I haven't gone into that into that realm I would say that you know for me personally Planned Parenthood is always up there always yeah. up there.
3: Planned Parenthood is a great yeah great source of information I just thinking like it would be so fantastic if there was a website um built for like high school kids and college kids but it was um just you know interviews with sex workers like sex education brought to you by the expert
2: yeah and it's just the no bullshit guide you know we're not gonna we're gonna tell you the truth and yes this will happen or yes this can happen and this is what it's like and you know you don't have to completely pull it the emotion out of it and the you know, here's just the very physiological response to this. It's no, that's not what sexuality is at all. It's not just this one thing. Um, no, I've, I've played around with that idea Pamela. I was like, you know, I'm going to make a website. I'm totally going to do this. It's going to be about education. Um, so my next project was a podcast cause I don't have the energy and the resources to make that happen, but it would be something I would love to do. Um, you know, after school is done and, and uh, for myself and to kind of get that credibility behind before I could. But I think that's, I think it's so necessary.
1: I love that. You know, and I feel like that's a huge gap, right? Where, Wherein, I, I love that idea so much, but like, that's the one thing, right? Like who's going to organize the information? Who's going to run the website? What kind of like, what kind of person is going to dedicate that amount of time to this? And for me as an educator right now, like I would love to do that. I I love that idea, but my calling right now is specifically like it's on a different trajectory, right? And I like I feel like that's wherein we as a collective, like human race <laughs> who didn't have this, who wants to see this for these youth, you need to be like, all right, who's the expert in this? Let's bring you on, let's bring you on, let's bring you on and really create a collective of experts specifically sex workers, I, you know, or people who are actively practicing polyamory or people who are actively like working in a strip club or in like, uh, like sex work period, or like what kind of avenues, um, or like, you know, c- like, how do you organize a peer to peer group? Yeah. Uh, you know, what kinds of questions can you have in these groups? And I've done this with um, my my peers, right? I, I was, I want to see I want to see youth be empowered to do this around their sexuality and actually actively using the words because that's wherein their power lies right at the beginning of 2019 i was like i have one resolution one resolution and that resolution is to talk about sex once a day with a stranger or with somebody you no know, i am going to talk about sex once a day and it actually because I worked at the urban arts gallery I actually started to have like talks about sex with random strangers. I had never met. And I was like, it's working. So from 2019 to 2020, I was about 85%, you know, like I had talked about like sex, about 85% of the year once a day. And that completely revolutionized how I approached my own sexuality, how I interacted with my relationships how I verbalized what I wanted from my relationships. It took the shame like right out of my body because I was like, I can do this. I can, I'm fucking doing this. Wow. And I want youth to have the same kind of empowerment right out of the gate. Like it's, it's as funny, but as like, you know, like, let's say penis, penis, you know what I mean? Like there's, uh, there is power in having control over those words having the ability to say these words in front of other people, specifically your peers, specifically um, the mirroring effect that happens with humans where, and you're like, I don't know. I've never, I don't know if I've had an orgasm in a circle of people around you being like me too. Right. Like the, and youth feel these things and they, and instead of like getting it out of their bodies, they interpret it as something they have to hold in and be ashamed about. And then they're like, then they become just dis- like, and I don't want to say this, it's not really a great word, but like they become dysfunctional. They're not allowed to access the language wherein they're like, hey, love, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, person, whatever you are to me, playmate, I have an orgasmed and I really want an orgasm. Could you please do these specific things for me so I can orgasm? Because that's what I really want tonight. Or I really don't want an orgasm, but I would love to facilitate what you want. Like the power in that, if you start it like with youth, like being like, you're active anyway, you're sexually active, like, how can I give you the tools that will develop you into a human that has power, control, and access as opposed to fear, shame, and guilt? Love that.
3: <laughs>
2: um so do you want to be on the podcast every night because this is great i love it i love the content you're giving us i mean a lot of great things and i love that you're local this is a local resource we're going to tap into um but i think i mean you answered a lot of my questions that i had um i know a lot of things have changed probably for you as a performer because of covid um But kind of tell us what that looks like right now. How can people support you? Where can we go see you online or face-to-face? I'd love to hear some of that.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, COVID-19 has certainly changed the nature of my uh, work and performance. But I'm all over um, online. I have so many connections out of state that often throughout this apocalypse, I've been in three different states at once. Because of videos that are shared online. I'm going to be in a bunch of fundraisers coming up soon. I was just in Prohibition's online show for Saturday. It just debuted. Um, If you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I'm always posting the videos that I'm in. I'm always, like, I'm, like, sharing my Venmo, like, crazy. So you can tip me that way. I also have started working out. uh, I, I started selling my pasties, selling my wares. I call them tit stickers. My kids have been literally feeding me. And then I also work and treat shibari ropes and dye shibari ropes. And I just worked out a set of bi flag shibari ropes for a dear friend who's bisexual. And I'm working on some pansexual ropes and some rainbow pride flag ropes. And buy those for me. I also uh, do gender counseling. Again, you know, there's no, I don't have certifications. This isn't something I am personally certified in. It's just something that I've done for a long time. So if you need, like, if you have a youth that needs gender counseling, I am here for that. I also do couples counseling. I do queer counseling. And people keep coming to me for this kind of thing. And I just, again, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, like, a certified counselor. But I am a living, being, creating, constantly talking, constantly working queer. That just wants me and help however I can
2: awesome so um how what's like your instagram or um
1: it is madazon can can and m m a d a z o n like amazon but madazon can dash can there's only one of me trust me you'll find me right away
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i was able to stalk you real quick so it was great (sighs) that's awesome um
0: Is it the same handle across all uh, platforms? Yeah.
1: I branded. (laughs) Love
2: it. (laughs) Well, thank you again. Do you have anything, um, any last thoughts or questions for us even to kind of wrap
1: up? I'm I'm so grateful, really. You know, this is uh, from somebody who was in the public school system and quit I really miss the platform to speak and create change with my voice and with my passion and with like you know it's great being a naked person but when I have conversations and when I can use my voice to affect social change that's my whole entire life so I'm just so grateful to you guys for reaching out to me letting me talk letting me communicate and go on and on and on I do this a lot and I don't ever want it to stop I literally live for podcasts and sharing this information.
3: Oh, that is so sweet. And we are so thankful for you. Like, this has been really enlightening. And like, I, I hope that everybody who's out there, like, they get some little like sliver of knowledge. that just like kind of opens up their, their mind about all of this. And, um, and that they want to share it too, right? It's all about us like being willing to disseminate the information um, without shame and without fear. And you are such a good example of that. So we appreciate you.
0: So again, for anybody who's listening, they can reach Madison uh, at their uh, different platforms at Madison M-A-D-A-Z-O-N, can, C-A-N dash, can, right? And anyone who wants to reach out to us can reach us at saltysexcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com, as well as our Twitter, which is at saltysexcast, or you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash saltysexcast.
3: Okay. Well, we will talk to you guys next week. Hope everybody has a fabulous week. And um, stay, stay safe. Wear masks, social distancing. Don't get crazy, people. We love you and we want you to be healthy. Um and we will see you next time. Stay sexy
2: and salty.
3: Hi. <laughs>
0: yeah. And what's puberty?
2: Puberty?
3: Well, puberty's a lot of things. Here's the thing.
0: When you hear about it first, it sounds very strange.
3: Oh, if it really bothers you, you should
1: see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work. And our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself.
0: And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.